Chapter Three of Letters on an Elk Hunt. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Carroll. Letters on an Elk Hunt by Eleanor Pruitt Stewart. Chapter Three, Eden Valley. In camp, August twenty-eighth. Dear Mrs. Coney, we are almost across the desert and I am really becoming interested. The difficulties some folks work under are enough to make many of us ashamed. In the very center of the desert is a little settlement called Eden Valley. Imagination must have had a heap to do with its name, but one thing is certain. The serpent will find the crawling rather bad if he attempts to enter this Eden, for the sand is hot, the alkali and the cactus are there, so it must be a serpentless Eden. The settlers have made a long canal and bring their water many miles. They say the soil is splendid and they don't have much stone, but it is such a flat place. I wonder how they get the water to run when they irrigate. We saw many deserted homes. Hope's skeletons they are, with their yawning doors and windows like eyeless sockets. Some of the houses, which looked as if they were deserted, held families. We camped near one such. Mrs. O'Shaughnessy and I went up to the house to buy some eggs. A hopeless-looking woman came to the door. The hot winds and the alkali dust had tanned her skin and bleached her hair. Both were a gray-brown. Her eyes were blue, but were so tired-looking that I could hardly see for the tears. No, she said, we ain't got no eggs. We ain't got no chickens. You see, this ground is sandy, and last year the wind blowed awful hard, and all the grain blowed out. So we didn't have no chance to raise chickens. We had no feed and no money to buy feed, so we had to kill our chickens to save their lives. We ate them. They would have starved anyway. Then we tried for some vegetables. Well, she said, they ain't much to look at. Maybe you'll not want em. Our garden ain't much this year. Pa has had to work out all the time. The kids and me put in some seed, all we had, with a hoe. We ain't got no horse. Our team died last winter. We didn't have much feed, and it was sure a hard winter. We hated to see old Nick and Fanny die. They were just like ones of the family. We drove em clean from Missouri, too. But they died, and what hurt me most was Pa loud it would be a terrible waste not to skin em. I begged him not to. Land knows the poor old things was entitled to their hides. They got so little else. But Pa said it didn't make no difference to them whether they had any hide or not, and that the skins would sell for enough to get the kids some shoes. And they did. A Jew junk man came through and give Pa three dollars for the two hides, and that paid for a pair each for Johnny and Eller. Pa hated as bad as we did to lose our faithful old friends, and all the winter long we grieved, the kids and me. Every time the coyotes yelped, we knew they were gathering to gnaw poor old Nick and Fan's bones. And Pa, to keep from crying himself when the kids and me would be sobbing, would scold us. My goodness, he would say, the horses are dead, and they don't know nothing about cold and hunger. They don't know nothing about sore shoulders and hard pulls now. So why don't you shut up and let them and me rest in peace? But that was only Pa's way of hiding the tears. 
when spring came the kids and me gathered all the bones and hair we could find of our good old team and buried em where you see that green spot that's grass we scooped all the trash out of the mangers and spread it over the grave and the timothy and the red top seed in the trash came up and growed i'd like to have put some flowers there but we had no seed she wiped her face on her apron and gathered an armful of cabbage it had not headed but was the best she had mrs o'shaughnessy seemed possessed she bought stuff she knew she would have to throw away but she didn't offer one word of sympathy i felt plumb out of patience with her for usually she can say the most comforting things why don't you leave this place why not go away somewhere else where it will not be so hard to start i asked oh cause pa's heart is just set on making a go of it here and we would be just as poor anywhere else we have tried a heap of times to start a home and we've worked hard but we were never so poor before we have been here three years and we can prove up soon then maybe we can go away and work somewhere enough to get a team anyway pa has already worked out his water right he's got water for all his land paid for if we only had a team to plow with but we'll get it pa's been working all summer in the hay and he ought to have a little stake saved then the sheepmen will be bringing in their herds soon's frost comes and pa allows to get a job herdin anyway we got to stick we ain't got no way to get away and all we got is right here every last dollar we had has went into improvin this place if poor old hard-worked pa can stand it the kids and me can we ain't seen pa for two months not since hayin began but we work all we can to shorten the days and we sure do miss poor old nick and fan we gathered up as much of the vegetables as we could carry mrs o'shaughnessy paid and we started homeward promising to send for the rest of the beets and potatoes on the way we met two children and knew them at once for johnny and eller they had pails and were carrying water from the stream and pouring it on the green spot that covered nick and fan we promised them each a dime if they would bring the vegetables we had left their little faces shone and we had to hurry all we could to get supper ready before they came for we were determined they should eat supper with us we told the men before the little tykes came so mr struble let johnny shoot his gun and both youngsters rode chub and antifat to water they were bright little folks and their outlook upon life is not so flat and colorless as their mother's is a day holds a world of chance for them they were saving their money they told us to buy some house plants for ma johnny had a dollar which a sheep man had given him for taking care of a sore-footed dog ella had a dime which a man had given her for filling his water bag they both hoped to pull wool off dead sheep and make some more money that way they had quite made up their minds about what they wanted to get it must be house plants for ma but still they both wished they could get some little thing for pa they were not pert or forward in any way but they answered readily and we all drew them out even the newlyweds after supper the men took their guns and went out to shoot sage hens johnny went with mr haynes and mr struble miss hull walked back with ella and we sent mrs sanders a few cans of fruit 
Mrs. O'Shaughnessy and I washed the dishes. We were talking of the Sanders family. Mrs. O'Shaughnessy was disgusted with me because I wept. You think it is a soft heart you have, but it is only your head that is soft. Of course they are having a hard time. What of it? The very root of independence is hard times. That's the way America was founded. That is why it stands so firmly. Hard times is what makes sound characters. And them kids are getting a new hold on character that was very near run to seed in the parents. Johnny will be tax assessor yet, I'll bet you. And you just watch that Eller. It won't surprise me a bit to see her county superintendent of schools. The parents most likely never would make anything. But having just only a pa and a ma and getting the very hard licks them kids are getting now is what is going to make them something more than a pa and a ma. Mrs. O'Shaughnessy is very wise, but sometimes she seems absolutely heartless. The men didn't bring back much game. Each had left a share with Mrs. Sanders. Next morning we were astir early. We pulled out of camp just as the first level rays of the sun shot across the desolate flat country. We crossed the flat little stream with its soft sandy banks. A willow here and there along the bank and the blue distant mountains and some lonesome buttes were all there was to break the monotony. Yet we saw some prosperous looking places with many haystacks. I looked back once toward the Sanders cabin. The blue smoke was just beginning to curl upward from the stovepipe. The green spot looked vividly green against the dim prospect. Poor Pa and poor Ma! Even if they could be nothing more, I wish at least that they need not have given up Nick and Fan. Mr. Haynes told us at breakfast that we would camp only one more night on the desert. I am so glad of that. The newlyweds will leave us in two more days. I'm rather sorry. They are much nicer than I thought they would be. They have invited us to stay with them on our way back. Well, I must stop. I wish I could put some of this clean morning air inside your apartments. With much love, E.R.S. End of chapter 3